We have a man in our congregation who is a lawyer who was raised in Christianity, but raised in an evangelical church where they had the word of God, the love of God, evangelism, but they did not teach nor demonstrate the power of God, the gifts of the spirit, like the things you see today of prophecy, healing the sick, um, the, the supernatural dimension. So he saw us operating in the gifts of the spirit at our food uh, and prayer outreach where we give food out on Thursday nights uh, to those that are less fortunate here in the area. And uh, we were healing the sick, and he just had never seen that in Christianity. So he started coming to our church, and he got so hungry for the gifts of the Spirit that he really started pressing in. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 to earnestly, zealously pursue the gifts of the Spirit. You have to be serious about him and go after him. He did, and God started working with him in the gifts of healing. And you, he's, he has so many great testimonies about people who have been healed. Then he started going after the gift of prophecy, hearing the voice of God. Now he gets words of knowledge for people in the workplace, specific information, just radical stories. And so we've asked him to join us in the book of John, which we're doing the gospel of John. And it's like he said to me last week, you know, every time you guys preach, it's on healing. It's like, well, you can't help it. It's Jesus' fault because every time you open up the Bible, he's healing somebody. And we're just going through the book of John, and you can't get away from miracles when you're reading the Bible. So I said, you just jump into the book of John and bring us what God gives to you. So let's welcome Les Meredith as he brings the Word of God today. Woo! I left you about three minutes, so you might have to rapid preach. No, you got time. You got time. White man. All right. Is that better? Thank you, Lord, for that introduction. <laughs> All right. What I wanted to talk about today is John chapter 6, which uh, we've been going through the book of John for everybody to be able to uh, understand it from the beginning. The book of John is one of the first books that most pastors will tell you as a new Christian that you should look at because. Uh, it is from the heart of one who hung out with the Lord, who in the nighttime hours got to hear his heart, who got to be on all the closest miracles where other apostles were not present. John was always present. He loved the Lord. So you get a different perspective. If, if you read Matthew, you're seeing a lot of, from, from a Jewish perspective, the Jewish prophecies that, that help talk about the Messiah was coming and the Messiah is here. If you look at the book of Mark, it's very much about Jesus as a servant of God and a servant to men. And everything is immediately Jesus went and healed. And immediately Jesus went and cast out a demon. And immediately, you know, they're very different textures. And I think God gives us four Gospels so that we can see the well-rounded nature of how people perceive John. And so what we see in the book of John is uh, just a loving brother talking about what he learned from the Lord's heart. So I was picking up John chapter 6. And, and uh, Pastor John told me, go ahead into the next slide, uh, John chapter 6, because that's where we are in our series. But one of the interesting things about chapter 6 is John talks a lot about signs. And I don't mean the type of signs that we put on a wall, but signs in our generation would be something that we read that points to something else. For instance, the exit sign. You read the exit sign, but you don't go out the exit sign in case of an emergency. You go out the door. So a sign really points to something else. In John's time, a sign also 
was the same word as for, he was using for miracle. Sometimes he used the word works, the works of Jesus. So it was interesting to me that so far in this, uh, in this study that we've been doing in church over the last six or seven weeks, we've really only talked about two uh, particular miracles. So it's interesting to me that John continues to talk about there were many other signs, yet he only chose about seven or eight of them to talk about. So why would he go to the extent to keep telling us there were many signs in many places and choose only seven of them to talk about? I think it was because he felt that each one had a particular meaning that the Lord was trying to teach his apostles or to teach someone else. And so he carefully selected the ones that would be in his book. And interestingly enough, if you look at all four Gospels, the miracle of feeding the 5,000 is the only one that is consistent across all four Gospels. And that is in John chapter 6. So Pastor John said, would you preach on chapter 6, but would you talk about some of the signs that you've seen in your own life? And as he said, I'm a healthcare attorney by background. And when I began to see that people really were being healed, I thought, well, if God is still moving today, this is the most important thing because God is the most important person. And then I've got to be engaged in this because... I mean, God is supreme. You need to do his will. So for me, I just started pressing in, reading everything I could in the Bible about signs, wonders, miracles, relationship with God, and I drew closer to God. So it was, it was when John says press in, I didn't even know what that meant. I remember running up to a preacher one time. We was talking about you've got to press in. You've got to break through. I said, what does that mean, pressing in? What does that mean, pressing in? He said, get close to Jesus. You do it through your quiet time, you do it through prayer, you do it through worship, you keep him on your mind, you talk about him throughout the day, and you press closer, and then he's going to get on you. That's when the signs and the miracles you will start seeing. Don't just go after the signs, wonders, and miracles. Go after Jesus. And when he can trust, your heart is faithful to him, and that you would be obedient to what he asks you to do, you'll start seeing the signs and wonders. So, fortunately, I was able to be around some good teachers who helped explain some of these things to me. Because at that time, I didn't really think that people were hearing from God or that there really were miracles. They seemed like stories that happened back then that we could say, oh, wasn't Jesus great back then? But you would hear occasionally that there were signs and wonders in Africa or somewhere else like that. But not so much here. But once you really start looking and you open your heart and say, Lord, reveal yourself to me. You'll be surprised what starts flowing through your day. Some of the keys to John's gospel is, is who Jesus is. There are, there are seven I am statements in John. He, I am the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life, and the vine. These were all self-descriptions that Jesus was trying to convey to the people. Now, in the time back in... in the time of Jesus, the Jewish people had not heard from God in over 200 years. They hadn't had a prophet. They weren't seeing signs, wonders, or miracles. They were listening to Pharisees who were putting out laws and controls and ceremonies as a way to control your relationship with God. They weren't hearing from God, so a personal relationship really wasn't on the table. They didn't understand God as a good father who wanted to love his people and get them to turn back to him. They didn't get that he was inviting them back to an eternal heaven and a relationship. They were working hard on things they could control in order to say they were holy. 
and that this must be what God wants, that I don't work on the Sabbath, and work means 360 steps, so if I take less than 360 steps, I'm holy. This was the mindset. Jesus came at a time where people were not calling God Father, and they were not feeling like he loved them, and Jesus had to overcome this mindset. And he tries in the book of John to explain it in so many different ways so that people of different backgrounds would understand that God loves you and wants you to turn back to him in relationship. So it's a new time, and that's why I called this Signs of the New Time. The old covenant of laws and ceremonies was going out, and the last sacrifice of a lamb was coming in so that it was the work of Jesus that would save us and reunite us with the Father. Not our own works, lest we would brag. So the sign of the new times is what John is trying to talk about. God and the kingdom are now and they're among you. And that's the transition that John is saying, don't you see the signs? They're clearly written. John also gives us a lot of good spiritual laws about the Holy Spirit. You read John chapter 13 through the end and you'll pick up a lot about who is the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit sent to us for? The Holy Spirit is coming to dwell in all of us. That was a whole new thing. The Holy Spirit had been on prophets in the past. One prophet maybe speaking the word of God. But Jesus was going to send the Holy Spirit to all of us so that we could go forward and do the things that Jesus did. This is a whole new mindset, a whole new teaching that he had to get through. And it caused a lot of division and polarization. But the signs and the wonders that Jesus performed were to demonstrate the love and compassion of God so that people could come to know him and want to have a relationship with him. It wasn't just for show, and it wasn't just so someone was not sorry for someone who was blind anymore. It, wasn't, it always had a meaning, and the meaning was to show that God sees you, God loves you. Turn to the Lord and tell people what he sees and what he does for you. So as we go into um, the next slide, the beginning of signs. I mean, this is, this is John's mindset. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So there's a, he's actually trying to mark a point in time. This is when the signs started. And it was important to him that the signs started after Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit of God came upon him like a dove. And it was then with the power of the Holy Spirit upon him that the signs began to start. The miracles began to start. So we have to understand that, well, if we get the Holy Spirit in us at salvation, does that mean we have some new power? Yes, that was the message he was trying to teach his disciples throughout the book of John. So this was the story that Pastor Mark spoke about. This was the uh, wedding feast where they had run out of wine. And Jesus took six large vats of water used in ceremonies to clean people so they were holy. So he converted those into wine. And that was to show them that there's a new wine, a new way of thinking. That the ceremony of washing your hands is not what makes you clean. It's the blood of the Lamb. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to sanctify you and make you clean. This was, this was a sign to his disciples that he could take these six vats of ceremonial cleansing water and turn them into a wine that the host thought was better than any wine that they had had previously. So, lesson one was... You know, sometimes a sign from God is not for everybody. This was for the disciples to see because it says the disciples believed in him. It wasn't so the whole wedding feast this time 
would come to him. It was for his disciples to see that he had power over matter. He could change water to wine and then he could age it. So he had power over matter and over time to make this fine wine. And so they, they believed. Uh, you know, sometimes if we're not in a place where we're looking to believe and we're not opening to hearing whatever God is saying, we can miss a sign like this. Uh, we see later in John 12:29 that God actually speaks out loud when a crowd of people are gathered around and says he will bring glory to his son. But the Bible says that some people in the crowd heard the voice, but they attributed it to an angel. It says some other people thought they just heard thunder. And some people didn't hear anything at all. So I think sometimes we can, in our own day, be so overburdened with what's happening on the earth or uh, we're angry about something not going our way and we can miss something that God is wanting to offer. So we always have to kind of have our heart, you know, God, whatever you have for me today, you know, help me to hear you. Uh, and I'm embarrassed to say, you know, I'm, uh, I, there, was, there was one time that I was out listening to a guest speaker. I mean, I love to see people who, you know, are anointed by God come out to speak and they pray for healing. I enjoy going to see those guest speakers. And I was uh, listening to a man speak and he was a young guy, 24, 25, and he was kind of a wispy, you know, giggly, all over the place kind of a speaker. And I'm more logic oriented. You know, I got bullet points and slides. And, and I, was, I was just not enjoying his style so much. My wife was with me. I, I had heard he was really anointed. And, but I just kept saying to my wife, man, I just can't, what's the point? I'm just having trouble, you know, with the point. So when it came time to pray for people at the end, I said, let's just go home. I, I, think, I think I've had enough. So... We left for home, and we're driving away, and I said, well, did you get anything out of that? Now, Donette has what they call the gift of discerning of spirits. She can, on occasion, see an angel or a demon or something that's going on in the spiritual realm. She goes, well, you know, there at the end, a really large angel appeared down on the left side right before prayer. I said, are you kidding? This is why I went. I had heard this guy was anointed. I was going to go down for prayer, and I let my own stylish... You know, I passed judgment on him. Yeah, this can't be from God. It's so wispy. I can't even grab a hold of it. So I got home and I, we, we talked about it. I said, whenever you see something, you need to tell me so I understand. I would have put a check on my heart. So I called my friend Cynthia Morales, who, who also has a discerning gift. And I said, Cynthia, how did, what did you think of this guy that spoke? And I was hoping she'd say, oh, he was kind of wispy. He was way out there. But, but she goes, oh, I really enjoyed him. I said, oh, you did? I said, did you see anything? She said, oh, yeah. She said, there was a big angel that came right at the end toward prayer in the left corner. So I said, okay, lesson from God. Always be willing to listen and ask him what he's doing. Holy Spirit, Whatever you have for me, open my eyes, open my ears, help me to discern what you're trying to do here today. And if you can keep your heart in that place while you're listening at church or you're walking through your day, the more signs that God is doing around you will become visible to you. So keep your, keep your heart right. Um, I'd say that's one of the lessons. God will sometimes provide a sign for everybody and sometimes only for you. And sometimes you let yourself get in the way of actually... Uh, seeing the sign on the next side it's kind of like you know our signs okay because this this line is in here from jesus and depending on how you read it you can make it sound like then jesus said unless you people see signs and wonders you will by no means believe was he disgusted when he said this 
Was he mad that if he showed signs to people that they weren't going to believe his word? No, I don't think we can take that verse that way. Uh, because John has already indicated by John 4 that there were other signs. Uh, in John 2.23, he says that during the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. So he was now doing signs not only for his disciples, but he was doing it for a crowd in public. So when he gets to John 4.4.7, which is healing the royal official's son in Capernaum, Pastor John taught on that. If you recall that story, a man whose son was dying miles away asked Jesus for healing. And Jesus told him that the boy would be healed, even though Jesus wasn't with the boy. So it was a distance, it was a distance kind of a, a healing that John is trying to show that Jesus had authority over time and space and distance. That he could heal because the Holy Spirit is everywhere. Jesus didn't have to lay hands on people. He didn't have to have people grab his cloak. He could merely speak it, and he had authority to make it happen. So this is why he chose that healing in Capernaum. But Jesus also said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. But that's okay, because as we see, John's going to keep talking about signs, and he's going to talk about them as favorably leading the people's hearts uh, toward Jesus. And, and so when we get up to this chapter... Of, of chapter 6, we've really only seen three signs. We've seen the water into wine, the royal official's son being healed at a distance, and the Samaritan woman at the well. Now, some people wouldn't call that a miracle. That was a prophetic word. Jesus met someone he had never met before in a place where Jews typically don't get along with the Samaritans, and he stopped to give her kindness while she was kind of sneaking around midday because she was embarrassed and she was not well-liked in the community because she had several husbands and was living with a man and that was adultery. And so she would sneak around the heat of the day to get her water. And he stopped and he gave her a prophetic message. What type of message was that called? When you know something about somebody that only God would know? Word of knowledge. So Jesus demonstrated in that story a word of knowledge that he was hearing from God about people and that when he released to her what her life was like, her heart just opened up to him. Surely you are the, the man sent from God. And she ran to tell everybody in the community what he, the, what he had said about her. So this is our kind of prequel leading up to chapter 6. Uh, the distance healing being the most recent miracle. Um, I had a, an occasion where, as I was learning to pray for the sick, uh, I, I had read this story about the healing in, of the man's son at a distance. So one of the members in our church had swine flu. And he already had existing heart problems, so I was very concerned that he was in the hospital for three weeks. So I called him to see if I could come out and pray with him. And he said, well, he said, I got out yesterday. He said, but I have a huge sinus infection. He says, I'm laying in bed. Uh, I can't get up. It makes me dizzy. It really hurts bad. And I said, well, listen, I can't come out today, but could we try something? If I were to pray for you over the phone, like Jesus prayed for that child that was miles away, let's see if it works. And he said, that's fine. So I just prayed. I said, put your hand on your forehead where it hurts. And I just declare in the name of Jesus Christ that you would be healed. That this sinus infection would go away, that you would get up and walk, or that you would be healed. So... He said, thank you. It took all of about five minutes. And uh, about ten minutes later, the phone rings. 
And I said, hello? He says, Les, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, this is David. He said, that it's all gone. Listen, I can breathe. <laughs> he says, the headache's gone. The sinus infection's gone. I'm up walking in my kitchen. I'm making lunch. This is unbelievable. So I said, that's awesome. I said... The, the words of the signs were not for a time. They're for now. It's our time. It's our time to go forward and do the things that Jesus did under the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Last week, there was a, a young man that came who I had never met. But as I was on the prayer team, I always asked, Lord, if there's anyone here that you would like me to speak to on your behalf or to say anything from you, you know, please point them out. And uh, I felt like the Lord said, I will bless him in a medical career. I said, okay, that's kind of an interesting, interesting word. So after, after uh, church, I caught him as he was walking out, and I just said, hey, you know, I've, I've never met you, and I introduced myself, but I said, listen, you know, sometimes I feel like I hear from the Lord. He might say something. I said, by any chance, are you considering a medical career? He's 24 years old. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, I'm, I want to be an EMT. He said, I just applied to be an EMT. He said, but then I talked to this other guy who told me that being a, a firefighter in the forest might be a better option for me. So I looked into being a firefighter in the forest. That's kind of what I'm leading to right now. He said, well, okay. I just wanted to let you know that I felt like God said that if you were going toward anything in the medical field, he would bless you there. So that's up to you. <laughs> but... You know, that's just a random, I don't know you, have never met you. Are you doing anything in the medical field? And that's like a word of knowledge. Sometimes it can freak people out because I don't see him here today. But <laughs> other, other times people come to a church and they enjoy getting a word of knowledge. I don't know. Um, let's go to slide, slide five. Um, John says that a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. So Jesus is now performing public healings, and he's gathering crowds. And so uh, this is going to slide us right into chapter 6. Uh, but let's hold off on that slide. Let's, let's talk about uh, they all got hungry. They're out in the middle of nowhere. The Bible tells us in Mark, Matthew, and John that there were 5,000 men in addition to women and children because women and children didn't eat with the men, and they weren't counted when you counted Men. So this could have been as many as 10,000 to 15,000 people up on a mountainside. The nearest cities are only 2,000 and 3,000 large. Uh, so getting food was going to be quite a challenge for these people uh, that were following Jesus. So let me go ahead and take a quick look at the story. It says in John 6:10, uh, it says, Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, and Jesus uh, had the men sit down in number of about 5,000. And he took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Now see, Jesus had asked his disciples, How are we going to feed them all? And they said, Oh, there's just no way. There's too many people. It would take eight months of a set man's salary just to get enough for them to have a bite. And one of them said, Well, there's a boy over here who has a few barley loaves and a few fishes. But what can that do for a crowd of this size? So Jesus was kind of testing them. He knew that he was going to show them another miracle where he had the ability over space and matter 
And so it came, though, that he used them to distribute so that they were part of the miracle. So that they could see that every time we need a miracle, we don't all just turn and look at Jesus. He wanted to teach them it happens through their hands, too. It happens in his name and by his authority, but that it was through their hands. So this is a real key turning point and probably the reason that this story is in all four Gospels. Jesus wants them to quit depending on him to do everything and understand that God wants them to do the same things too. So we see that there was even fragments left over and he had the twelve pick them up. And the people were so amazed by this outpouring of food that they said, surely this is the prophet. Now at that time, the Jewish people were waiting for a Messiah and they were also waiting for the prophet, which... Moses had said would come, who would come out of the Jews, who would speak the very word of God. And so they're trying to figure out who Jesus is. And this group is so amazed by this sign that they, they agree. Certainly the prophet that Moses said was coming is here. And so they start to think in the terms of their religion, this is the guy that was supposed to come. And so we'll follow him and he can continue to feed us. And I think the story also is about small beginnings that sometimes... You know, we as people might say, Lord, if you would let me win the lottery, I could give more money to charity. Gosh, Lord, if you would give me an anointing for healing, I would go out and pray for the sick. And Jesus is saying here, use what you have. God will bless it. God will multiply it. But he wants to see you step out in faith and he wants to see you step out in obedience. So you can have a few fishes and loaves and it's your job to go out and take it and give it in love. And God may multiply that big time. But many of us sit and we say, God, would you please make the fish jump out of the sea so that we have 10,000 fish? And that's the miracle they pray for. Save us rather than let me be part of the solution. So we see Jesus give thanksgiving before he actually distributes the food. And this is, this is something John mentions twice in the chapter. So the idea of giving thanks always is important here. That we always give the glory to God in any sign that we see or that we are part of, and that we give thanks both before and after. Just think that God hears us pray and that we're allowed to pray and that we're with the person we're praying for. We give thanks before. So I think that was important to John or he wouldn't mention it a second time as he's, re- as he's recounting the story. So I just wanted to give a story that you don't always know what's going to happen. Uh, we had a woman who was uh, in the congregation and she had a problem called spasmodic dysphonia. And it is a paralysis of the vocal cords where they won't, they won't go the way you want them to go. So she had lost the ability to talk other than in a real coarse, raggedy whisper. And she had been diagnosed by two specialists that she was going to need to be taking injections to paralyze a vocal cord and try to retrain, retrain it. So she came to church one day. The intercessors prayed for her, but I had not heard about it. Afterwards, I, I caught her outside and gathered two or three people around her and began to pray for her for healing. She, she had just been prayed for, so she wasn't totally into it being attacked outside by the bread table. But as we prayed, as we prayed, Donette, my wife, got a word that said, I feel like God says, if you'll praise him and sing praise to him, He'll restore your voice. 
So Donna didn't get a lot of prophetic words, so I thought that was really great and probably right. And I said, well, would you like to sing right now? We'll all join you in a chorus of this song. And she's like, no. Uh -uh. She was not going to sing by the bread table. So by the time by the time we get home and the day is going on at six o'clock, I get a phone call and it's from another member of the congregation. Les, you're not going to believe what happened So what? He says, remember when you told so and so today that if she would sing that she would get her voice back? Yeah, I said, I said, Donette said that. And he said she sang on the way home with praise music in her car and her voice is back completely. Now, this was two years ago. And she now runs the community food and prayer with her husband uh, at Rancho Penasquitas Lutheran Church on the fourth Thursday. So, uh, you know, blessings from God sometimes come. Uh, we could have prayed in a bunch of other different blessings for her, but we just went after getting this voice back and praising God. And the focus was praise. And when she did, she was healed. So let's go on with John chapter six. Go ahead and put that slide up. The disciples uh, got in a boat. Well, Jesus went up on the hill to get some quiet time, and the wind and the waves got so bad it took him three hours to get out to the middle of the lake. Uh, but then Jesus decided he would join them, so he actually walked on the water uh, towards them. And it says that they were afraid of him and thought he was a ghost, but he climbs into the boat, and it says immediately they were on the other side. So we have a couple things going on here. Not only his ability over weather to calm that wind that was keeping them behind, his ability over matter to walk on that water, and his ability to translocate outside of time to take them from the middle of the lake to immediately be on the other side. So that's how you can read it in the book of John. But if you look at the book of Mark and the book of Matthew, Jesus kind of chides them a little bit about their faith. Not only were they scared of him, but they thought they were going to die. And he says, you have little faith. Did you not learn anything when we fed the 5,000? And I thought, what an odd place to talk about the 5,000 in a translocation of a boat. But what it, exactly what he was saying was, are you not learning that I have power over the weather, over the matter, over the time, over the distance? And I'm giving that to you. None of you rebuked the wind. You were still scared. I'm trying to teach you, is your heart hardened? That's what he's saying when he says, is your heart hardened? You're not receiving to get the faith for you to do these things and not be dependent upon me. All right. So what do we get takeaway? Use what you have first. You know, don't don't pray. I want a big ministry with a big convention center, God, where I have 30,000 people every weekend. No, start preaching to your neighbor. Get a Bible study in your home. Read the Bible every day. Read a couple Bible studies. That's how you build a ministry. Don't just you have small beginnings that God will bless and multiply when He sees your obedience. Praise and thank God. And Jesus was giving them a real important lesson in chapter six: that signs are going to perish, but the kingdom is eternal. Don't just focus on the signs. So focus on the sign giver. They're pointing to, to God. They're pointing to me. So what had happened is these people who had been fed, they all followed Jesus across the lake. And when they got out in the morning, they wanted to make him king. And this is in Galilee. They wanted to make him king because they wanted someone who could feed them magically all the rest of their life and take care of them. 
And Jesus realized that was in their heart. So he got up and he started saying, well, I am the bread of life. I am the eternal bread that the father sent to feed all people. Don't focus on the bread that goes in your belly. Focus on the bread that brings eternity into your life. And he makes that very clear to them. And then they get a little hair up and they say, well, Moses brought us manna to eat. And Jesus said, Moses didn't give you manna. God did. My father did. I'm the eternal bread. That was temporary. Don't focus on temporary signs. Focus on me. So it was a very important lesson that was being taught here in Mark 6 with the feeding of the 5,000. And these signs, they kind of reveal your commitment to Christ. Because when you see a miracle, an actual right in front of you miracle, you got to make a decision. Am I going to join God in what he's doing? Do I want more of this in my life? Or is this too wacky, too silly, too kind of woo, that I'm going to just fade in the background? I'll love Jesus in print and I'll pray for him in private, but I don't really want to be involved in this. It's a little over my head. And some people will just oppose him. And we see that a lot in the book of John. It's almost like a gunfight sometimes when Jesus does a miracle. Half the room believes he's of God and half the room says he's the devil. Who would have that kind of power? They'd rather believe the devil was among them doing something than that God had finally began speaking to them after 400 years. So we see, yeah, we see that today. Um, so these are important lessons from feeding the 5,000 that may not be obvious to you. But that miracle being in all four Gospels tells me that it's a very important lesson that we're supposed to be learning. And Jesus is the bread of life. All right, let's go on to the next slide. And I sorry, apologize about using so many slides. John says, Les, I know you're a businessman, but don't, don't give me so many slides that we're going to put up wallpaper in the, in the auditorium. And I said, you know, but when I speak about signs and wonders, some people are uncomfortable that that's not really true. I'm, I don't think I'm really supposed to pray for the sick. I don't think I'm really supposed to try to do what Jesus did. So I try to give as many actual scriptures so that people can go look them up and know oh, this is what god really said maybe you've never heard it before but this is what god really said so unfortunately we see some division uh it says that you know when uh, the pharisees even amongst themselves could not agree whether this was divine or not but uh, even nicodemus said well no one could do the signs you do unless he is of god so we know that there was division and there's still going to be division today. Sometimes we feel like in our imagination, God, if you would only reveal yourself in this very definite way, everyone would come to you and know that you are God. But he doesn't really work that way. We're going to see Jesus really prefers faith without having to see him, without having to see the sign. There's a bigger faith. You can still have faith from the sign that leads you to Jesus. But he really wants us to have faith in who he is through testimony, through his word through his signs, and come to know him on our own, rather than being forced to come to know him by just appearing so that we'll know. He wants us to have faith rather than to just know. So, you know, sometimes we want him to appear, but he already has, and it's up to us to carry that over to people today. So, next slide. Not everybody is divisive. I have one story, and I'll try to wrap up. Uh, a man... Uh, met my daughter who was in college he was a veteran and uh he was limping he was on a cane he had tore out his knee he couldn't rest on it it had been six weeks on a cane he couldn't get in to get his mri uh the first test showed that that he had torn out his kneecap and she told him hey call my dad you know he prays for people and sometimes to get healed so he calls me 
And uh, he wasn't really used to the idea that people can be healed, but he was a Christian, so he, he, he was curious. So I prayed for him over the phone, and he immediately was healed. He said, what is that? Why is my knee so hot? He said, it's like I'm sitting in a hot tub of water. What is that? I said, well, usually that's a sign that God is working on your knee. I said, you need to test it out. He goes, no, I can't walk, man. I can't get up without my cane. I said, put your cane aside and just stand. Just stand. He did the, hey, yeah, hey, that feels pretty good. I said, see if you can walk. And he walks down the hallway and he tells his roommate, look at me. Look at me. I don't have my cane. I'm walking. And his roommate, I can hear his roommate saying, oh, my gosh, man, how'd that happen? He's like, this dude just prayed for me. It's like it doesn't hurt anymore. Look, I can, you know, and he's having this conversation. So his roommate is getting to see a sign and so I get a call about two weeks later, and his roommate wants to talk to me, and I meet him at Panera Bread here in Carmel Valley and, and lead him to Christ. So this is how the signs are supposed to be pointing to Jesus Christ, and he saw one in his own house. The, next, the words that I speak to you, Jesus said, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works believe me that i am in the father and the father in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves so this was kind of a big idea here god is in me doing these works you see it's not me it's not jesus as a man it's god in me by the holy spirit doing these works and you can believe by my word which is my preference or you can believe in the works themselves Jesus is letting us have that option that he's wanting them to know because this is the new model. It's man with God inside doing the works. It's not man doing the works. I have many stories that I've seen with healing, but it's not by my hand or any special thing that I do. It's because God is in me by his Holy Spirit working through me. The next slide. I assure you that blessed are those who believe but do not see so god is telling us it's more blessed if your faith comes by not having to be everything proven to you next slide and most assuredly i say to you he who believes in me the works the miracles that i do he will do also and greater works than these he will do because i'm going to the father and when i go to the father i will send the holy spirit to come work in you So we are all living in the new times. We are supposed to be God's hands. So these are just stories and testimonies that I've personally witnessed to bring to you that you may believe. Next slide. John tells us why he wrote his book. Truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. Many other. He said that the books of Jesus' signs would, would overflow the world. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have eternal life in his name. So the signs point to our Savior. And we can go and be among the signs and enjoy them. But we don't want to lose track that that's not the purpose. The purpose is to draw us closer to God and then to be more like Jesus. Thank you. Hey, man. Stay here, Les. Stay here. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. That was just awesome. I think this, uh, the, the sound issue seems to be my mic, David, well, back there. It's fine. When, I, uh, when I turn my mic on, I get started getting them. So, um, what a great example. The reason I wanted Les to uh, teach today was because when the body of Christ hears preachers that are, quote, in the full-time ministry talking about these things, 
there, there can be a disconnect. Well, yeah, of course God uses you. But less uh, goes to work every day uh, in the Golden Triangle, right? You work down there in, yeah, out in La Jolla. And he travels and he goes to seminars. I mean, he's in the business sector. And he went after the gifts of the Spirit so that he could, I mean, he has stories about taxi cab drivers. He has stories about people on elevators. He has people, stories about people that he's doing presentations with and in boardrooms. He has stories that are just real Monday through Saturday kind of stories. And so I wanted him to teach so that you could see God wants to use you too to pass out the bread and the fish and see miracles come through your hands. Because there's people in your circle of influence that I and Les and Mark and my wife and Jan and other leadership will never meet, never touch. That's your circle of influence. And you can bring Jesus to them through miracles. So, one phrase Les said during this message I want to capitalize on right now. And that is, Jesus said, is your heart hardened that you can't see that I want to do these things through you. Just like Jesus has authority over time, distance, matter, the things that uh, Les was teaching us, what Jesus is saying is now through you, you in my name can have authority over time, distance, and matter, and everything I had authority over. Because he says greater things than I did you're going to do. So if that's you, if you're the one who says I want Jesus to begin doing things through me, I want to believe him. I want to say no to doubt, no to unbelief, no to fear. I don't want to have a hard heart. I want to be used by Jesus, just like Jesus is using Les. If that's you, will you stand on your feet, and I'm going to ask Les to pray a prayer of impartation into you so that this can be activated so you can start being used by Jesus in your circle of influence. It doesn't mean you need to act like a fool for Jesus. It just means you need to start expecting that God will use you. And when there are moments of opportunity to take a little risk, asking that person that's sitting next to you, that friend, whatever. And the sickness is great. I mean, it's a great opportunity. Our, our youth pastor, I'll give an example. Our, our youth pastor, Mike D'Amber, and I were at our kids' volleyball games tournaments yesterday. And uh, one of the uh, high schoolers uh, had uh, an issue with her knee. They think it might be an ACL issue. And she wasn't playing. And so uh, I said, hey, uh, what would you think of... Uh, now, there's, there, I mean, there, there are eight courts going at the same time. There are hundreds of people there. This is a volleyball tournament. And uh, I said, hey... Uh, can uh, Mike and I pray for you real quick? And she was like, uh, I said, wouldn't it be great if that was healed? She goes, uh, yeah. And I said, okay, great. Right there in front of God and everybody, I laid my hands on. And, you know, we didn't go, you know, we're not going to do that, all right? She doesn't know what's, what's going to happen. She's like, oh, God, what are you guys going to do? I just laid my hand like it was a, you know, a coach talking to a player. And I'm just like this, and I'm praying just like this. God, we pray right now for the healing to flow through her knee in your mighty name. You know, so we're releasing faith and authority, but we look normal. Can everybody say amen? amen? Okay. We like to be naturally supernatural. Everybody say that. Naturally supernatural. You don't need to be speaking in old King James English when you start praying, okay? That freaks God out. It weirds him out. Okay. So, 
All right, these people are praying, standing because they want impartation. So let's pray a prayer of impartation and let's believe God. Here we go. Father, I thank you that you are a God of miracles, that your love is poured into us each day, that you are a good God, that you want us to carry on the works of Jesus Christ, your son. Yes. That you've given us your Holy Spirit that, who will never leave us, who is always with us to continue the works of Jesus on this earth. Yes, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would just touch the hearts of each person in this room. Yes. Who wants to be obedient, who wants to draw closer to you, Lord. That you would anoint them with your spiritual gifts, Father, that they may have the faith in different circumstances to say, Lord, do you want me to move for you right now? Lord, what are you trying to say in this situation? Holy Spirit, help Holy me discern Spirit. what you're doing yes, that Lord. I may become part of it. Yes, Lord, Lord, use my hands, use my voice, use my lips to testify of your greatness. Father, put these questions in people's hearts that they may seek you in all of their life circumstances, that they may be obedient to what you place in their heart or what you speak out loud or you speak in their mind. Help them to discern what you're doing and what you're saying, that they may walk like the Lord on the earth. Yes, Lord. So that when you return, your church is a perfect bride turning the earth away from sin, healing and doing the signs and the miracles that yes, help Lord. people believe yes, Lord. in Jesus' yes, Lord. name. Lord, I agree with that prayer. And I pray for everybody here in this church that's standing. I pray for those that are sitting and should be standing. I pray for those that are watching online. Lord, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for an authority to come upon us in your mighty name and for you to give us opportunities this week to take a risk yes, and watch you do miracles through your people. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And everybody said amen. <laughs> Woo! Yes. Okay, so take the risk and then tell us the story, all right? You can email it. You can text it. You can come here and tell us and we'll have you share it. But we want to hear God's stories because our world needs God's stories. Uh, I'm going to do something else real quick. Lord, we pray for Texas. We pray for Florida. We pray for the uh, people who have lost their lives, lost their homes, lost their vehicles. Lord, the, the people who have lost family members. God, we pray, pour out, Father, resources to help these people gain their footing again. Father, we pray for many salvations to come through this tragedy. Turn. We don't believe this is you. We don't call them acts of God. Lord, we call them acts of the devil. We pray, turn what the enemy has meant for evil. Turn it to good, to people in our nation, Lord, that need your help. In Jesus' mighty name. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you need your sins forgiven. And there's no way you're ever going to be a good enough person for your sins to be forgiven. Because the only way your sins will be forgiven is freely through the blood of Jesus Christ that poured down on that cross for you 2,000 years ago. But you've got to say yes to Jesus. He won't force his way into your heart. He won't just erase your sins when you're not looking. He needs you to come to him and say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me for my sins. And he will do it. He knows your name. He knows you're here. And he knows you need it. So I'm going to stand right down front, right down to the front of that aisle. And if that's you, don't leave here. Come down. Let's meet Jesus together. Come to him. He'll forgive you. If you need healing in your body, the prayer team's going to come down front here. You come down. Les will be down there as well. Everybody's going to be clustered over at Les this morning. Yeah, yeah. It's all going to be a Les today. And everybody else is just going to be standing and going, we can pray too. So remember, 
God works through everybody. Prayer teams come down, and we're going to be praying for the sick, praying for those who want to come to Jesus. And everybody else, go be the salt and light of the world. God bless you.